0: Welcome to the Adventist Church of the Woodlands podcast, where you will find sermons, devotional thoughts, and current event conversations, all based on a biblical worldview. I'd like you to open your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 18. John, chapter 18. Jesus is unique in many ways. In fact, he is our Lord and Savior. To many of us, we're in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we noted recently that major religions are either awaiting Jesus or a Christ-like figure after a time of trouble. And this makes the world ripe for Satan's deceptions. But there are other ways Jesus is different. Listen to this quote. No doubt you may have seen it or variations of it. It says, Jesus is the greatest man in history. He's the greatest man in history. He had no servants, yet they called him master. He had no degrees, yet they called him teacher. He had no medicines, yet they called him healer. He had no army, yet kings feared him. He won no military battles yet he conquered the world. He did not live in a castle, yet they called him Lord. He ruled no nations, yet they called him King. He committed no crime, yet they crucified. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today. Jesus is unique in many ways. and, And if you look at Jesus in comparison to other world religions... You think of the five major religions, you think of Christianity, Judaism, Buddhism, Islam, and Hinduism. And if you take Hinduism, one person here representing Hinduism, you take Buddhism, Judaism, and Islam, and you have Jesus, and if you look at it one way, you ask somebody, how many choices do you have? Well, there are five choices, right? And so people, in trying to discern which to follow, would have to make a choice over five individuals. But Jesus actually makes a statement that cuts that into two choices. See, the first four, Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, and Islam, will say, come here and I will show you the way to eternal life. But Jesus makes it clear. He stands apart from the other four and says, I am the way to eternal life. Those will show you the way. Jesus says, I am the way. Thereby, that five now became a choice of what? Two. And life is all about two choices. No matter how many cereals you see at H-E-B, No matter how many you like, you begin in your head, either consciously or subconsciously, narrowing them down until you come to Apple Jacks or Froot Loops. Exactly. Neither one. Don't Don't ask the kids. Right? But everything, everything in life, no matter how complicated it is, boils down to two choices. You narrow them down and it's good or evil. This spouse or that, future spouse. And so Jesus is unique in that sense that he differentiates himself for the rest of world religions because he's not pointing you to a way. He says, I am the way. And you and I face those choices daily. We either, we either choose Jesus or we choose some other way. And in our example of religion. You realize that Jesus. In his personal relationship with you. Which we learned a couple of weeks ago. That he treats us all differently. He may be kind and tender to me. If that's what I need. And in the very next moment. What I need is a nice. Get thee behind me Satan. Because Jesus is not a set of rules. He's an individual that will treat you. At the moment you need it. Elijah was there running away from Jezebel and he was asking God to please let me die. Kill me at this moment. I do not want to live. And God said, take a nap, get some food, and we'll revisit this conversation. A man of God in a desperate moment and God treated him gently. You fast forward to how he treats the Pharisees in Matthew 23. Woe unto you, hypocrites and scribes. Right, That's what they needed. But in all what they had in common, we learned that no matter how he treats you, whether you think it's harsh at that moment or soft and gentle, all he wants is for you to remain grounded in him that you may have eternal life. That's his motive. That's his objection. I mean, yeah, ob- object. Yeah, (laughs) He wants you to be in heaven with him for eternal life. But we have choices to make. And he's not going to force those choices. And as we learned in the lesson, some of those choices are going to come while you are distracted with this world. And so we find the story of Jesus and Pilate in John chapter 18. Beginning in verse... Give me a second here. Beginning in verse 28. You know the story. Jesus is brought before Pilate. After a sham of a trial by the religious leaders. It was really a joke. It was really not a fair trial. He was guilty the moment he came in. As we learned a couple of weeks ago, he went and it was taken. Pilate didn't want to deal with the pressure of having to condemn an innocent man. And so Pilate originally sent him to Herod. And Jesus, upon being questioned by him. Remember how Jesus treats everybody different. About being questioned by Herod. About being asked to perform a miracle. Jesus said, how much? Not a word. He stood there in silence. And the implication, and I hope you understand it, and I hope it's not shattering to your understanding of religion, but it's true. The implication there is that Herod had gone so far already that there was nothing Jesus could do at that moment to save him. Had there been any inkling. Any crevice. Any opening to try to reach his heart. Jesus would have interacted with him. But he stood there in silence. Because there is a point. That you can go too far. But if you are worried about it. You haven't gotten there. And so Herod sends him back to Pilate. And Pilate understands. That this man is innocent. But Pilate. Also has some issues internally. Pilate is dealing with his own drama, with his own distractions, with his own desires. Do I follow truth or do I follow my interests? Do I look out after an innocent man or do I look out out, out for myself? And we all deal with it, right? Right. Sometimes we're faced with choices and we're like, mm, I really want to do this. But if we're grounded on the word of God, we stay on the word of God no matter how we feel. Because feelings can be oh so persuasive. <clears throat> Moses has warned us that he gave up the riches of Egypt and the pleasures of Egypt. The Passing pleasures of sin. There is pleasure in sin. There is no denying it. No pastor who is right will tell you that there isn't pleasure in sin. The problem is is that it leads to death. That it is short sighted. And at the end you will pay the price that you have brought unto yourself. And when Pilate is brought, when Jesus is brought before Pilate... Pilate is given a chance by Christ. Christ, unlike Herod, is interacting with Pilate. But before we get to Pilate, we realize that those who had brought him there were the very people who should have been praising Jesus Christ. As Dwayne said in the Sabbath school lesson, that means we shouldn't always listen to the pastor. And it's true. Take what I preach As the word of God. But then go home and verify it for yourself. To see if it's really true. Because in the end. You're not going to answer to the pastor on judgment day. He's going to be standing right next to you. Answering to God. For what has happened. So remind. Remember this. That your betrayer. May be someone sitting next to you. In the pulpit. In the pews. Judas came from the inside, not the outside. Prophecy tells us that the Antichrist comes from the inside, not the outside. Jesus had been betrayed. He had been tried. He had been brought before Pilate. The Pharisees are there. The soldiers are there. But the soldiers represent those people who do whatever the crowd tells them to do. Everybody else is doing it so I'm gonna do it. They've been given orders they'll do it and they'll follow them no matter what. The crowd is there. The crowd who in a few minutes will see are yelling give us Barabbas. The crowd who yells who have seen Jesus heal people who have seen people Jesus transform people's lives that very crowd who perhaps just days ago were screaming hosanna in the highest and glory to god are the same crowd that are now screaming crucify him barabbas is there now, can you imagine barabbas he don't know what's going on He knows though who he is, a criminal, a murderer, surely condemned to die, ready to pay with his life for the mistakes he had made. And yet, in that moment, he's hearing that his life should be spared. And the man of the hour, Pilate, is there. Look at verse 29 we pick it up in John chapter 18 verse 29 therefore Pilate went out to him out to them and said what accusation do you bring against this man some moment fleeting moment the concept of truth was in Pilate's mind he wanted to find out what truth was he realized that this man was innocent. They answered and said to him, verse 30, if this man was not an evildoer we would not have delivered him to you. So Pilate said to them, then take them yourselves and judge them according to your law. The Jews said to him, we're not permitted to put anyone to death. Now the stakes are high. This is not just about imprisoning somebody. It's not a short-term punishment of whipping them. It is a matter of Of life and death. Verse 32, to fulfill the words of Jesus which he spoke signifying by what kind of death he was about to die for Romans were known for crucifixion. Verse 33, therefore Pilate entered again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Now normally when we ask questions forget the specific question he just asked when you and I ask questions and we're sincere, it's because we're looking for what? The right answer or the wrong answer? We're looking for the right answer. And so Pilate comes up to Jesus and says, are you the king of the Jews? So because if Jesus declares himself in a revolutionary type manner, I am the king of the Jews and I am going to lead a revolution, then Pilate has every right to condemn him as guilty, crucify him, do away with it, and here's the key his conscience would remain clear, for he is doing the will that he of the Roman state, which is his duty, to perform. And so he's trying to get at the answer to this question Are you the king of the Jews? But as you read the story, you realize that. He's trying to get that answer, not for the right reason. And those of us who are parents of little kids, you know, they'll ask you the same question over and over and over again. Mommy, can I get that toy? No. Mommy, can I get that toy? And unless you put an end to it, they will wear you down. And I forgot who said it in the Sabbath school lesson when you're distracted. Oh, it was you, doctor. He, you know, when you're tired and you're, that's when you're most vulnerable. If I don't get a good night's sleep, my kids can ask me for the moon and be like, oh, I don't care here, just buy it. <laughs> Pilate didn't really want to know the answer. He just wanted to be left alone by these bothersome, annoying Pharisees. If this guy is really a revolutionary king, then I can just get rid of him and get rid of them by satisfying them. But check your own heart when you begin to ask questions about doctrines of the church. I'm not saying that you cannot question them because truth can withstand all scrutiny. But if you're asking them to find a way to justify a way around those doctrines that are based in scripture, then it's not the doctrine you have to worry about, but your heart. And so Pilate asked him, are you king of the Jews? And so Jesus, understanding that he's really not asking for the answer he's looking for, Jesus says, are you saying this on your own initiative? Or did others tell you about In other words, are you really hungering for truth? Are you really desiring to know who I am? Do you really want to know me for me and not just to get rid of a problem, which is the Pharisees? Are you scrutinizing scripture? Are you digging deep, questioning our beliefs because you really want to know them for yourself? Are you looking for an excuse to sin? Are you looking to justify yourself? Are you looking? Having a discussion with pastors a couple of weeks, not maybe last Friday, I think, or, or around, you know, the lottery went up to 1.38 billion. And you know, pastors who don't play the lottery always joke around with what you would do if you had that type of money. So I ask you, what would you do if you had that type of money? Could you handle it? Don't answer this question. Did you play? Don't answer that question. See, the problem with the lottery is not so much that it's $2 back back when I knew more about the lottery and actually played. It was a dollar in a dream. Now I hear it costs 2 bucks. The problem is not $2 cuz everybody in the woodlands can afford $2. The problem with the lottery is that you're saying, Lord. I don't trust you enough to take care of me. And So when the lottery crosses a billion, I remind people. And I ask people this question, like I said, don't answer this if you play it. That's between you and the Lord. I ask people this question. though, Or make this statement. You just put a price tag on what your soul is worth. $1.38 billion. But what is Jesus' death worth? All of eternity. He's worth more than the $1.38 billion. But it's tempting. Because you think, man, we could build the nicest church if we had that kind of money. What? Yeah, the fanciest. But I've studied of winners because I used to play. And now that I'm in Christ, I do not play. But I studied of winners. Do you know that 9 out of 10 are worse off 10 years later than before they won the money? Worse off. And so we have choices to make. Pilate had a choice to make. And so Jesus is asking, Why? Are you asking me this question? Are you the one hungering for truth? Are you the one seeking me? Or are you just trying to get rid of a problem? Are you going to depend on me or you're going to depend on the 1.38 million billion? Because if you depend on the 1.38 billion and then 10 years later you're worse off, I'll be there waiting for you because I'm full of grace. But the, but the agony you would have spent in the last 10 years. See, a lot of times we think and praise the Lord that I've been able to come back. But there was a period in my life where I felt the Lord did not want me back. Because the choices of who I was at the beginning, the choices you are today, the choices you're capable of hearing, the choices that Pilate was able to discern at that moment are not the same if you're living in sin for 10 years. For 10 years later, you may not even be able to hear the sweet spirit of the Holy Spirit. Ten years may have hardened you. Ten years may have, may have changed you. And that's why Pilate's wrestling with Jesus here is not a product of this conversation. Pilate had destroyed his listening ear years prior. You study the history of Pilate in the history books. And he was an emotional man. Sometimes he upheld the law. Sometimes he did not. Sometimes he took bribes, sometimes he did not. Sometimes he came down hard, sometimes he let it slide. No man, not a man of principle. Always looking for the easy way out. Always looking for what felt good at the moment. And so Jesus, like with Nicodemus, when Nicodemus tried to flatter him about You know, you're a teacher sent for God. He said, you must be born again, Nicodemus. Let's cut to the chase. You must be renewed. Pilate answered, I'm not a Jew, am I? Verse 35. Your own nation and the chief priest delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus is responding to the notion in Pilate that still may be awakened to have a faith-saving relationship with Jesus Christ. He's letting him know, I am not a nationalistic Christian. I'm not a one who's more looking for glory of the United States than for the glory of God. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you are correctly, then I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth, what? Here's my voice. And nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. You know you're in a personal faith-saving relationship with Jesus Christ. If you hear his voice still and you follow it, nothing has changed. Jesus tells them, I am a king, but he makes it clear that I'm a king of a spiritual realm. The realm that wants to sit in the throne of your heart, not in the White House or in parliament. Or any other earthly throne. He does not want earthly riches. He wants your heart. And there was still a glimpse. There was still a moment in Pilate's heart. That he was wrestling with these questions. Because he knows. And after this conversation. He still goes back and tells the people. But this man is innocent. And if you look at Matthew. Rendition. His wife. Praise God for spouses to listen to the Holy Spirit and try to warn us from the mistakes we're about to make. I want you to see the actual verse. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 27, verse 19. while he was sitting on the judgment seat Matthew 27:19 while he was sitting on the judgment seat his wife sent him a message saying have nothing to do with this righteous man for last night i suffered greatly in a dream because of him so when you combine all the gospel stories about pilate that's when he goes back in and 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 begins to who really are you because at that moment and know this for a fact that as long as you're tender to the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit will wrestle with you until the day you breathe your last breath. He will try to bring you back into the fold of Christ. He will try to bring you back into a faith saving relationship. He will not give you up. He will come after you relentlessly until you say no more. Please. Judas experience. The no more please. Herod experience. The no more please. He's not going to force himself into your life. But as long as there is a glimmer of hope. He will send messages. And this man Pilate should have listened to his wife. Because she knew. Not only that she was troubled in a dream. But that this man was. Righteous. That he was right. That he was innocent. And it's the same in our life. Even the criminals today who may know about Jesus know he's innocent. That they should be doing it his way. But they give in to sin and do it their way. And we all are making those choices on a daily basis. We all know, like it was said in the Sabbath school lesson, we all know that God is still the same unchangeable. It is us that walk away from God. It is us that become Pilate. So the question is, are you Pilate? What is pulling you in this world to take feelings over faith in Christ? Is it a relationship that is not blessed by the word of God? Is it a lifestyle that you live in secret? Is it corruption in order to climb the corporate ladder? There's a YouTube channel, Self-Defense, that I like to see, and they talk about different scenarios. And this one police officer, one is so bad to be a sergeant, that he was climbing the ladders real well. Why? Because he was arresting people, and he was, you know, like he at every crime scene, he would seem to solve it. And people were amazed at his skill, only later to realize that he was planting all the evidence. He was framing people. He wanted, he wanted, as a police officer, you, you are to uphold justice to protect the truth. But he wanted so bad to climb the ranks that he gave up on that which is truth in order to satisfy so. I've seen people enter into relationships they should not enter because they think, oh, I will convert them. I will change them. But the truth is the only one who can change anybody is the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus knows Pilate is almost there at the end. And he is interacting with him, pleading with him. Pilate in verse 38, the famous verse said to him, what is truth? What is truth? Two plus two equals four. In the book 1984, if you've read it, two plus two at the end equals five. And sadly, our hero is broken and he believes it. And it's sad as you read the book to realize they broke them. Our hero was broken and he believes that 2 plus 2 equals 5. That a man and a man can produce a child. That there are things as trans women and trans men. Society is pushing things upon us that are ridiculous. Ridiculous. And it's not about being mean to anybody, but it's about being faithful to the truth, to being faithful to the point where the lesson says, I'm not going to let go of God until he blesses me. No matter what the world says around me, no matter how definitions change, no matter how much society wants to say that now I can have two, three, four, five polyamorous marriages. I'm going to stick to the word of God. I remember when drugs were illegal in the United States. And without any religious principles, right? When we spoke a couple of months ago about um, natural law, no one can defend that drugs do you any good long term. They may be pleasurable short term, but long term they are a detriment to society. If anybody has any doubts, just look at the statistics of the most popular drug in the world it is alcohol. Right? We tend to skip over alcohol and use crack or heroin, and all that, because it's become normalized. It's become mainstay. It's part of it. And now we're dealing with these with these illicit relationships and these illicit things pushing it on children, right? You see it in the news. They want to push these things upon children and surgery changes and all that, that we've normalized some other illicit relationships. We don't even talk about them anymore. Fight it. But not fight it in a mean spirit. Fight it on your knees in the power of the Holy Spirit. That his power may reign upon us. The latter reign that we may shine faithfully for the glory and honor of God. Amen. Pilate asked the question, what is truth? And the world doesn't want the truth. The world wants what it feels right. What looks good. what What doesn't step on anybody's toes. But I'd rather step on your toes and see you in heaven. And we can laugh it off then. You can punch me too in heaven. It probably won't hurt. That's why I love when Paul says, Have I now become your enemy? Because I've told you the truth. What we want above all things is truth. For when you have the truth, the truth shall set you free. Free from anxiety. Free from the pressures, the peer pressures of society. Free from having to say, I need to fit in. I only need to fit in with one person. And that's my Heavenly Father. But that doesn't make me a mean person. It shouldn't make me a bitter person. It shouldn't make me uh, a grouch. It should make me the happiest person in the world. And because of that, I want to share the gospel with you. But I love Jesus. You look at Judas. Judas. For three and a half years, Jesus knew he was going to betray him. Let's be honest. If that was uh, us, especially my friends from the Bronx when I was in the world. Don't let me find out you were going to betray us. A lot of dark alleys in New York City. Right? That's human nature for the unconverted. He didn't call them out. He didn't shun them. He loved them until the very end. He washed his feet. The feet of Judas, his betrayer. Simon, the one who we're told in the desire of ages, led Mary into prostitution. Jesus could have called them out there in front of everybody else. And he just gave them a subtle rebuke. It's not about calling out people's sins, but it's about pointing people to the Lamb of God and let the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean we won't address sins. But we're not going to try to embarrass you for it. And we have to be patient too with the leadership. We know sometimes that there are things going on that shouldn't be going on. But the point is grace. Because the Bible tells us that love covers what? A multitude of sins. I know several pastors in the Houston area that if you knew their past, you probably wouldn't want them to be your pastor. Now they're converted like Saul to Paul. But sometimes we can't get over what someone has done. And that's why we don't try to share dirty laundry. We keep it tight. Because what we're after is truth. And truth is not a set of propositions. It is a person in Jesus Christ. Pilate walked away from truth. Truth was standing right there in front of him. He walked away from eternal life in physical form. If you ever want to see how sad a person's life can change, it is turning your back on Jesus Christ. He never waited for an answer distracted, and I'm looking at you because you taught the lesson, too distracted by the crowd around him to wait for the answer that was standing right before him. And so he goes on, never waiting for the answer. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom; I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you wish then I release for you the King of the Jews? So they cried out again, saying, "Not this man, but Barabbas." Not now. Barabbas was a robber and a murderer, and all. The, so he said, "Shall I re- release to you the King of the Jews, or Barabbas?" And I like how Sidney Brooks said: many people today are choosing a filter king, than the King of Kings. They're still choosing Barabbas. Many people are choosing drugs over Jesus. They're still choosing Barabbas. Many people are choosing illicit relationships over Jesus. They're still choosing Barabbas. So the question that each of us has to answer, what is our Barabbas? Because in a strange way, you and I are pilot. Because of the Holy Spirit, we stand in the presence of truth every day. Every day you wake up, truth is before you. Will it be Jesus or will it be Barabbas? By the power of the Holy Spirit, and since my conversion in 2001, not on a straight line, but like we were said in the lesson, ups and downs. But the trajectory of my life, I have chosen Jesus over Barabbas, and I pray you do too. Because the history books tell us that that which Pilate was trying to preserve—peace in his jurisdiction and holding on to his office—he but lost months later, and ended committing suicide he turned his back on truth and he never returned jesus had a choice as well i can let them die for their sins this sinful blue ribbon world this blue marble in the sky or i can die for them and give them a chance at eternal life two choices that was it For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So that like Pilate, you can make a choice out of free will. Pilate chose the wrong choice. May we make the right choice today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your amazing love. What is truth? Pilate asked the wrong question. Who is truth? should have been his question, but you are the way, the truth, and the life. May we make the right choices every day, but not in our own strength, but by the empowerment of your Holy Spirit that will never leave us nor forsake us, for you stand before us every day. We thank you and we love you. In your son's name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Adventist Church of the Woodlands podcast. You can find us at woodlandsadventist.org and you can visit us anytime. You're more than welcome. God bless you and have a great day.